Hey, it's Allie. And Jenny. And if you like what you're listening to on Once More With Commentary, we would love it, love it if you guys would subscribe either from iTunes or Google Play, because that's where we are. And we'd also love it if you would take a moment to rate and review us on either of those platforms. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I am <laughs> Allie. I'm uh, uh, Lyle Gorch. Oh, Just nice. Kidding. Yeah. I'm Jenny. I suppose it's Slayer Fest 17, if you think about it. No, no, no. We're, we're back in time when we do these. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> but really, it's once more with commentary, and we today are talking about homecoming and band candy. Woo-hoo. Yeah, these oh my are God. pretty fun episodes. I love these episodes. They are yeah. like they almost do nothing to further the you know overarching story of the season. Uh, A little bit for band candy. Disagree, but, but fine. Um, I said almost nothing. <laughs> that was like literally one of my points was like, these do things to further the episode story arc. Well, <laughs> we're going to fight later. <laughs> no, um, but no, I was, I just watched these like earlier today and I was yeah. actually like, oh yeah, I forgot how yeah. fun these are. Um, they are almost, you might say like candy episodes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. They were both just a lot of fun. Pretty like, I think classic Buffy and full of great things and new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Friday, and uh-huh. we're both a little punchy, maybe. <laughs> well, we're about to have a we three-day weekend. We probably are pun- so. punchier. I'm not getting a three-day weekend. You're not? Oh. No. Wait, I was just bragging to you about my three-day I weekend. I know. I, really I was about to tell you I don't have one. That's okay. I don't really care. Uh, I get know, a lot of other days I don't off. know if my in my old job I got Columbus Day off either, but I have for the last year and this year and it's it's enjoyable so mm-hmm. actually my boss kept trying to schedule meetings for monday like repeatedly this week <laughs> i was like we are not gonna be in the office We're on monday so here. you can schedule any meetings you want i do not plan to attend <laughs> yeah uh well how was but your yeah week? i mean we're a little bit punchier on fridays yeah. typically my week was fine um i don't feel like too much significant happened um you set up your Halloween table. I know. I set up some of my Halloween decorations. That's true. That's exciting. Um, I do have a Buffy-related Halloween craft that I will post in the next week or so that I'm pretty psyched about. It's so good, um, you guys. I've only seen the, like, in progress, <laughs> but I want Jimmy to make me one, too. This is the first time I've mentioned that, really but you easy. should make yeah. me a gift. Because remember, should. I'm the poor person who only has purple lights for Halloween decorations. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Can I have it um, by October 31st? Possibly. <laughs> I have all, everything I need at home to do How it. about October 31st, 2018? <laughs> uh, definitely by then. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I went to a, a documentary screening that is that uh, one of my friends in New York is a, a immigration lawyer, and so... Uh, this guy sort of like made a short movie about some of the um, clients that they work with, which are mostly students that are um, dreamers or something similar, just basically students that are students, kids that live in the U S because their parents brought him here, brought them here when they were young. And it was very interesting and it was a really cool event. Um, 
it was definitely like the first time that their their organization had done something like that but I was really impressed with like it was it was really well put together and very they had all the um featured kids were from the movie were there doing like a Q&A afterwards cool. I'm doing a bad job of explaining this but it was a very it was a very cool evening everybody did a good job and it was very interesting as well as like inspiring and informational that sounds really cool actually and yeah. you know um I suppose timely yeah yeah. yeah. Was that because of um, the deadline? Is that why they... No, actually, well, I mean, no. They started doing it last year. But I mean, like, is like that why they... the screening was when it was? Or... No, no, that was just because that's when they finished. Oh, so it was just coincidence. So it, like, took then. about a year to make, and that was coincidence, yeah. Oh, wow. At, at least that was the way that I understood it. Um, but yeah, that was the... I did that, and I played volleyball. <laughs> and we lost. So. Oh, wait, is your team not good anymore? Because that's... Well, uh, I mean, we lose, you win some, you lose some. They say that for a reason. Were you undefeated um, last year? No. No. Oh, I thought you were. I'm say I probably say those things. <laughs> okay. For a, while, for a while, we were undefeated during a season, but... Jenny um, uh, just brags about her team and tells <laughs> lies. <laughs> we're okay. One time we won the whole not the whole division. One time we won our division. All I know is when we try to play beach volleyball with our friends, you get very annoyed when I come on the court because <laughs> I bring the level of play that. way down. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is that ball coming at me? Goodbye. <laughs> like, uh, my sunglasses are going to get knocked off my face. Yeah. You're but you're like, not even you? playing beach volleyball. so No. Yeah. Beach volleyball is a lot harder. Yeah, it is, because you have to Maybe run in summer. sand, which I've yeah. learned from, like, hiking in sand that I think mm-hmm. I'm, like, biologically unable to walk in sand as well as other people. <laughs> okay. Something about your foot shape? Something. Like, I'm always, <laughs> like, you know, like, when we're hiking, like, I'm always, like, you know, setting the pace or, like, keeping up with the leader, and I, like, feel really proud of myself, and then we hit, like, a sandy patch, and it's like, Allie, come on, and I'm like, I cannot move. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, um, how was your week? Um, it was okay. I think mostly just like countdown to like three day weekend because uh, yeah. <clears throat> having a three day yeah. weekend. Um, yeah. No, it was good. It was um like pretty standard. It's been Fleet Week in San Francisco. Actually, what am mm. I talking about? I held a rocket launcher earlier. Oh right. This week. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> You got to cosplay as Buffy for a minute. Well, that was pretty much like I literally we walked by it because we so um. I went with some coworkers. We took a tour of the USS Essex, and um, which has been parked in um, mm-hmm. San Francisco this week. And we were walking, and I never knew. Like th- three years, I've been walking by these ships, like during Fleet Week, bar- parked mm-hmm. in the Embarcadero. I never knew that it's open to the public, and you can just go in and take a tour. Yeah, yeah, I had no clue, but you can. And we were on our way in, and I saw all these soldiers or Marines like demonstrating mm-hmm. um, different weapons, and they had like the. Um, the suit from Hurt Locker that you wear to like oh, defuse bombs mm-hmm. and stuff. And I saw these people like holding what looked like rocket launchers. And I was like, um, can I do this on the way out? Because I have a <laughs> podcast that this would look really great for. <laughs> I was like immediately Did like, they say anything I'm to going that? to pretend to be Buffy and I'm going to pretend <laughs> that I'm taking down the judge. And that's what I did. But uh, side note, those things are really heavy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> They're like 38 pounds. And like, wow. It's also like you hold it um, obviously on your shoulder, but you kind of hold it towards the front of the weapon. So you've got like 
three feet of metal hanging off your back that's like Mm -hmm. it's not really well counterbalanced so like the first time he like he like ripped off the like bottom part because he was like oh try this because I was like yeah it's kind of heavy like (laughs) I'm having a problem so um I think the photo that I put on our um Instagram is like me with like the without the complete weapon because like I like could not hold the whole thing I was like I'm not quite up to full slayer strength um (laughs) but also I really want to just point out because I felt really self-conscious even posting that but it was a fake weapon like it was also in a supervised environment by trained marines um you know who this guy is a trained Marine in this particular weapon, and he said he'd only fired it once in, like, basic training. So, wow. Or whatever training they do to so They were not letting you handle weapons. anything that was real at all. No, and and I just, it was, it felt really odd because, like, obviously Sunday, like, what happened yeah. in Las Vegas, I was like, ah, this seems like a weird message to be putting out there, but I was like, yeah. I'm not advocating owning this personally, and it was a fake weapon, and I feel like everyone can appreciate the nuance of, you know, mm-hmm. um, appreciating the fun of holding a pretend weapon versus like what happened on Sunday. So, yeah. Using um, them. Yeah. I just felt like I wanted to say that because I was like so okay. excited and then I was a little bit but like, then, wait, yeah. should I be concerned with myself that this is exciting? Because it's yeah. like literally like I was like, why do people feel the need to own weapons? Can I hold the rocket launcher? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. my 180 in my brain was a little bit disconcerting, but, um, but it was really fun. And, um, you know, the Marines were really nice. They were like, 22 years old but yeah it's like oh my god you're so young like this is terrifying actually that like you are on the front lines of like protecting our country and I feel like you know obviously not old enough to be your mother but old enough to like wonder if you should be old enough to drink so um (laughs) that was a little bit interesting um yeah so that was my uh fun thing for the week was reenacting my one of my favorite Buffy scenes so yeah we should all get the chance to do that in our life I think did you fight with a boy in a mall after that uh no okay if only <laughs> <laughs> under some under some romantic sprinklers fire yeah <laughs> yeah uh no um we did have test out a new emergency alert at work I don't know if that's Ooh, the same thing thrilling yeah basically well, so um, we have a Las Vegas office, actually. And so oh, I think that freaked everyone out a little bit. Yeah. Because then they were like, oh, we now have yeah. a company-wide emergency alert thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so we used to do drill, a lot of drills at my office. Actually, I mean, we do them here, too. So why am I saying it like that? But in San Francisco, we did things, and we do them here. Well, I don't know if it's every Tuesday or, like, once a month on a Tuesday, but mm-hmm. very frequently the earthquake alarms go off, like, mm, the yeah. earthquake sirens. There's, like, a siren right outside our office, and so yeah, it gets pretty yeah. loud. I kind of yeah. remember that. Um, well, anyway, moving on. Uh, homecoming. To homecoming. And maybe my favorite dress ever on Buffy. Oh, really? Which one? Oh, Buffy's red one. Okay, for sure. I mean, Cordelia looks great, but I was actually like, oh, Buffy, I like your dress. No, Cordelia looks amazing because, like, she's Charisma she's Carpenter Cordelia, and, like, yeah. she could literally wear, like, a burlap sack and we'd be like, you look great. But, yeah. um, no, like, for whatever reason, like, I, like, mm-hmm. Buffy's red dress, I was like, I'm into this look. Like, it's, Yeah, no, you know, I had the same thought. In fact, at the end, I was a little sad that it got all torn up. <laughs> um, but, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about Homecoming. Yeah. You want to um, do the recap? I do. So this, you know, this episode picks up 
where we left off. Homecoming's coming up at school. Buffy is still dating Scott. She's still keeping Angel's return a secret from everybody. Um, and he's still, like, recovering kind of physically and mentally from whatever he went through in this hell dimension. Um, <clears throat> but she's also still trying to get integrated back into school and kind of, again, like, pick up all these various pieces of her life. Um, <clears throat> of course, as soon as she tells Angel that she's dating someone, we cut to a scene where that someone, Scott, breaks up with her. So, um, yeah, so they're just kind of moving along from there. Buffy's sad about not having a date to the homecoming dance, but, um, she, and she just feels generally left out in the high school. Uh, she misses the yearbook photos because she's training in the library and nobody told her about it. And she has to get a recommendation from a teacher, which is a callback to an earlier episode where Snyder told her that was a requirement for coming back into the school. And so she like gives this impassioned plea to this teacher to please write me a letter. And the teacher basically says like, who are you? (laughs) So things are kind of, you know, she's trying to get back into the flow of things and trying to pick up her life, but everything kind of keeps being just out of reach. So meanwhile, we find Mr. Trick again and you find out that he's arranged Slayer Fest 98, (laughs) which is like a really unappraising idea where he has um, gathered like, I guess uh, four groups of competitors, but more people than that, um, who are all various demons, or maybe some of them are human. Unclear. I think um, the Germans and vampires. Were also, maybe that hunter guy. Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway. It's uh, like he's the gathered... Order of Tarakas all over again. Yeah. How do we know? Seriously. Um, Sorry. That's okay. So he's gathered a bunch of demons and basically <laughs> offered them the two slayers that now live in Sunnydale and said, like, here's what you do. It's a competition to see who can kill them first. And they all have their different strategies involved. And if they win, I believe they win a cash prize. Um, and then obviously some pretty considerable bragging rights, but, um, Buffy, meanwhile, back is feeling really left out of school. So she decides that she's going to run for homecoming queen because back in LA, she was super popular. She was in all the yearbook photos and everybody knew who she was and loved her blah, 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 blah. But, of course, this is all to Cordelia's chagrin because Cordelia wants to be the homecoming queen. Ooh, chagrin. (laughs) The two of them keep fighting. Their friends are getting, like, you know, pulled in both directions because now that Cordelia is dating Xander, like, they're all trying to help her, too. Um, So, as a scheme, their friends uh, trick Cordelia and Buffy into riding to the homecoming dance together alone in the limo that they rented. But it turns out that the limo has been sabotaged by the Slayer Fest group. And so they get taken off into the woods to be hunted down by a bunch of demons who think that both Cordelia and Buffy are slayers, not realizing that Cordelia is not Faith. Um, but, and then we have a bunch of fun sequences where Cordelia, you know, holds her own as well as she can and says a lot of impressive, cool things. Uh, and Buffy and her, you know, m- make their way back to the school and um, one by one kind of kill off all of the hunters. And... Um, then they make it to the homecoming dance just in time to find out that neither of them won. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's some other kind of things going in there, uh, going on in there. The main thing being, (laughs) the main thing being a thing that I don't want to talk about, which is Xander and Willow. But the other thing, the other thing that I do want to talk about is that also after this, uh, once this all starts going down, we finally meet the mayor and he finally, he meets Mr. Trick and sort of, um, they join forces or he hires, he hires Mr. Trick to kind of do work with him in the future. Um, 
But yeah, that was it. I wrote out a whole summary and it still never comes out as succinctly as I want it to. Next time I'll just read what I said. Trust myself. Well, there was actually a lot going on in this episode. So I feel like this was very plot heavy. Um, I guess first we could talk about, get it out of the way, talk about the end of Buffy's uh, casual great romance (laughs) with human Scott. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, well, I, I think before we get into it, cause then, because I think we sort of disagree on this, I do feel like this episode and the next one are kind of like a, the way that I feel like a lot in early season two, we kept talking about how the show like learned so many lessons from season one and was now like making better choices and stuff. I feel like season three is continuing that trend of like, oh, it's like season two, but a little bit tighter where like, it is a throwaway episode, you know, that doesn't have much, you know, the actual homecoming Slayer Fest arc. It, well, it is tied into everything. So I guess that's why I, th- I think it is like, it's a fun episode and it's not like a really heavy one in terms of the arc, but it definitely, you know, it introduces the mayor. It links up the mayor and Mr. Trick. There's a little bit more faith. Like it, it had a little bit more of the ongoing arc woven into it. I thought in a way that was like, Oh, this is going to help the whole season kind of move along better. Yeah, I guess what I really meant was that it wasn't like the plot wasn't like, oh, let's set up the the big mm. bad and like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But you're you're totally right in that there are like little bits and pieces that are going to come into play. Like, you know, Mr. Trick seems like a one-off that we've met before with mm-hmm. Kikistos and then um, you know, he's come come back or sorry, uh, Kissing Toast. Uh, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> Still funny. <laughs> come back to um, Yeah. Yeah, after Taquitos died, he's <laughs> sorry. I want to go through all of them though. Um, um, he's, those are the best ones. He's remained in town, and he's sort of launched this whole, um, you know, Slayer Fest thing. And but he does get the attention of the mayor because um, he brings in these Germans into town who are apparently um, world-renowned criminals. criminals. They like <laughs> bombed an airplane or something. Yeah. Um, so the mayor is like. Let me keep an eye on this. Um, mm-hmm. I also want to mention we also meet Alan for the first time. True. Um, the mayor seems terrified of his assistant? boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody. Um, so you're right in that we we finally meet the mayor after episodes of you know just hearing They've about been name dropping him since the end of season two. Yes, and there is that, and um, this whole yeah. scheme brings Mister Trick into the mayor's orbit, and that's true. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that the overall story is more about the interplay True. dynamic between this group of friends and totally. Um, and we will eventually talk about the thing that happened. Yeah. But I, I have a lot of notes that are just angry hits. I was just hitting uh, my keyboard. Well, I was maybe, like, I can't even write anything about this because it's annoying. Yeah, I think I have something in all caps going. Oh God, I hate this. Yeah, so, mine just says. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but before that, I have I have notes. Yeah, I have OMG, we meet the mayor. <laughs> so like, obviously, I'm very excited. This about is mostly that. net positive episode. Yeah, net positive. But I, <laughs> I guess I just you know I feel like by the end of season two, they were doing such a good job of writing these episodes that were playing on both the main arc and their own standalone stories that like I just I I just can feel right away that like they've gotten so much better at writing this show at this point, you know, in season three. Well, and I also don't know, I, I should really do more research in this. I like always like have questions and I'm like, I'm so lazy, but, Mm -hmm. um, so I've noticed the last couple episodes, the story by credit goes to Mm -hmm. Jane Espenson. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's not an accident. I thought this was the first one she got a credit on. 
The full credit. I mean, obviously she's a writer. Um, sure. I think in one of the, or maybe it was, you know what, maybe it was this one and then the next one too. So Fan Candy is the one that she got full credit for. Okay. So she, but her name came up in the credits mm-hmm. a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so she is a writer who went on to I, I do a very right. yeah. um, extensive stint on Gilmore Girls as well. Um, and I just really think that she's bringing this like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say perspective because, like, the perspective hasn't really changed. But, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's an accident that, like, this writer that I think has done great things for a bunch of different shows, like, this is when the ball really gets rolling. Because, like, you know, Joss Whedon is still the showrunner here, but, like, he's not writing every episode. Mm -hmm. So, um, but he's brought, he's assembled in this season, I think, a writer's room that's really understanding, like, the high school side of things. And, and they're bringing a lot more nuance, I think. Yeah. Now, things. if I ever find out that Jane Espenson is responsible for the Xander Willow the situation, <laughs> then I don't know how I'll have to go look. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. Um, but, but I anyway, will say that, like, yeah. yes, I would agree with you that, like, we're getting into, we're, we're introducing the, like, the, the chess players, like, the mm-hmm. pieces on the board for the, the season-long yeah. arc. But we're not quite into it yet. Like, we're still – like, Buffy's still adjusting. Like, she's still having to um, carry out all of Snyder's demands for her mm-hmm. coming back into school. And, yeah. um, you know, we see all of that. But I do think that, like, I don't know. This, this yeah. episode to me seemed more about, like, the interplay between, like, this group of friends. And, like, in fact that they more than once reference Cordelia as their friend, which is, like, yeah, perhaps the first time they've ever done that. So, But, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, mostly I think they put up with her because she knows about Buffy being the Slayer and mm-hmm. occasionally helps them do research. And also she's got a car. She's dating her. <laughs> and, yeah, she's got a car. And she can play bait. So it's, like, right. you know. But this is they the first time where, like, it. they're – openly calling her her their friend mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um it's kind of nice to see but uh um, it is I mean obviously I love everything about Cordelia in this episode but yeah but we should go back to where you were trying to start us on so I just want to no yeah, I, I would love I totally, to talk about Scott. it was it was good of you to call me out on my my statement because I think um I agree with you on some level but also like I wouldn't call this like I would call this more of like a table setting kind of thing I totally agree. I guess the point, the bigger point that I was trying to make is that once again, I feel like you can really see them learning lessons from the previous season, which was like how to better integrate things from the get go instead of like season two really picks up in the middle. But before that, there were a lot of standalone episodes that that really like ain't they would you know write a really awkward scene for Angel to be in it just to make sure that he was still there. And not to digress too much, but maybe if they hadn't done that, then once Angel turned, like it wouldn't have had as much of an impact if we haven't spent all this time just watching them be together in seemingly random episodes right no 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 I I don't think but I felt like it was clunkier when they were doing it then when it would be it felt a lot more like oh that's right you wrote that in there so we wouldn't forget who Angel was rather than like they they've tied the mayor Mr. Trick and Slayer Fest this the single episode arc all into this kind of like a lot more natural yeah flow um so okay so we'll yeah I agree I agree with all of this but I feel like I keep trying to us back to Scott. Poor Scott. Yeah, yeah, Poor yeah. Buffy. Um, so I I do this is the problem with Scott, okay? He's mm-hmm. this actor, I don't know who he is. I don't know if Me I've neither. ever seen him in anything else. He is hundred percent adorable. He is. But he's, <laughs> he's so charming. <laughs> he's also hundred percent forgettable. Oh. I think solely because of the way they treat him. Like it's like 
we have this adorable scene of Buffy at the bronze, like kind of uncomfortably saying like, uh, you know, like yeah. he hasn't asked me out. And like, also, by the way, humiliation is also great for my color. <laughs> so, uh-huh. <laughs> I love it when my face turns bright red. Um, but, you know, we get this really sweet scene where, you know, they kind of stumblingly agree that they're going to the dance together. And then, like, literally the next time we see Scott, he's, like, breaking up with Buffy. Like, it's such a weird 180. Oh, see, because and this time around, is it I, because took, I took she, it to mean that he hadn't asked her on purpose. And that he just asked her because then he also got tricked into, not tricked, but, like, put in an awkward position on the spot in front of her oh, friends. Oh, see, I, I kind of bought what he was saying where he was like, True. I just didn't think you'd be into it. And then True. I thought it was because she said she'd go to the dance and then immediately was like, no, I'm going to go home. Yeah. I so, think it was probably 50-50. I don't, I think at that point he was at least reconsidering things. I don't know. But I agree that there's truth to why he's saying he didn't ask her out because he didn't think, he didn't ask her to the homecoming dance because he didn't think she'd be interested in it. Yeah. It's probably true. Well, and to be fair to Scott, like, yeah. Dating Buffy must be really that? hard. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know why she's constantly running off places, like, she must seem really distracted and mm-hmm. not really 100% there or that interested in you. And, like, he's a high school boy. Like, why wouldn't he go with another girl that's interested in him? Like, I totally get that. But, like, also, to be poor, fair for him, his two best friends died in a horrific incident. Which, not, but, but weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, no one's really bringing which that no up. Which no one mentioned. Yeah. Um, um, but it's, I think part of it is, like, Scott's treatment is like okay he's also only in like three episodes but yeah I I mean like he barely qualifies as a like I love interest but um I do wish that they had let him stay around a little bit longer. I think it would have been interesting it, especially yeah. like because they like for like a scene they kind of show the tension of like Buffy having to tell Angel like oh I'm with someone but then yeah. like, he immediately breaks up with her and it's like it would have been fun to kind of see the tension of like Buffy trying to help Angel regain like some sanity or whatever is happening there and then but also have her try to juggle that with like a real human boyfriend Wait, and like yeah. I feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity I and I also think kind of to your point like it does feel you know Scott's reason for breaking up with her is like oh when we first met you seemed so full of life and now you just seem distracted all the time but we really haven't seen her do that to him so it's it's a little bit like I do I, Again, because, like, that's her struggle with, like, how to fit in in high school is a huge theme, not only in this episode, but throughout this whole season. And so it's, uh, you know, and the whole show, but um, it, it would have been nice to kind of see them examine that, too, about, like, well, what are the sacrifices that she's having to make in this relationship? You know, it's very different from her relationship with Angel. So, yeah. But it, it brings I up a whole new set of problems that they just say, know, but they don't ever show us. Like, was Scott not paying attention? She seemed so full of life. Like... When he first noticed her, allegedly, according to Willow, she had mm. just been trying to overcome the fact that her ex-boyfriend was, like, evil and That's killing true. all her friends. <laughs> and true. then when he saw her this season, she was sad because she felt like she had killed him. So yeah. I'm not sure how mm. full of life mm. Buffy was, but we'll go with it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, better than whatever that Owen guy said about how she was so dark or something. Well, stupid. he was just into the danger. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying Scott is at least not doing that. I think well, he, ge- he genuinely liked her. He's not I a just bad feel guy. Like I don't really blame Scott for like that no, whole thing. I, don't I just feel like his situation, his like handling of it is like, it's just really weird. Um, but yeah. But I, you know, I do think he means, 
he means well and I appreciate that he's not stringing her along. You know, ultimately yeah. he's being pretty mature about this and Well, and speaking of mature <laughs> like faith are not, but Yeah, speaking of mature, like we also get before this like a very brief glimpse of like Buffy with Angel. Um mm-hmm. I think only solely to remind us that like yes, Angel's back because at the end of the last episode was Angel saving Buffy from Pete, um, yeah. ironically Scott's friend. Um, yeah. It, it, how awkward must that be to be? That's a good like, point. Yeah. Um, Angel, I'm I'm seeing a new guy. Uh, you killed his friend last week. Yeah. Remember that? Um, <laughs> um, but you know, we just get a nice scene where Buffy's trying to be upfront of like, well. I think yeah, she's trying she's to be a friend. Her mm-hmm. reasoning is weird where she's like, everything's different. I'm a senior. I like, know. I know. What that was, does that mean? It's literally been three months, Buffy. Nothing is that different. Well, um, she's telling him that she's dating someone. Um, but I think for me, the questions that that really opened up was like, one, like Buffy's like really like twisting the knife. Like, yes. I, <laughs> I sent you to hell. By the way, I'm dating a guy. By the way, he's really nice and yeah. stable and blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. everything you're not. But yeah. um. But I think for me, the thing was where Angel was like, he's like, oh, it hurts less. And I'm like, existence? Like, he's just like, David Boreanaz, I think, is playing this really weird. Like, Uh, I'm not really clear what's wrong with Angel other than he's come back from a torturous hell dimension. But like, what's the pain that he's talking about? Like, what hurts less? You know, but we've seen, I think he means both. But we've also seen them struggle. You know, it was the same thing with Drusilla in season two where it's like, what is your actual affliction? Is it... I, I mean, but I think Mostly with Angel, Angel again, just seems it's, like it's really both. twitchy. We know, like, what is we wrong know with that him? he was physically, or I think we can assume that he was physically tortured, and then of course, like thinking that you've you've been in another place for hundred a hundred plus years, but you like, know, all David, with the memory of your girlfriend killing you, making the decision to kill you right before. Like, I think I don't know. Yeah, I think I think he meant both. I think he meant I I. This is all feeling a little bit better. I don't know. He's just playing it really twitchy. It's weird. But what I thought was funny about that scene <laughs> is that uh, he's in there, you know, Buffy catches him doing his Tai Chi and uh, he's like centered and ba- like physically, literally balanced. He's, you know, doing movements or whatever. And as soon as she walks in, he like crumbles. <laughs> like he was totally helpless once she showed up. I was like, dude, I mean, not to, again, like, yeah, is he struggling? Probably, but it was just kind of, it was a little bit, that was a little bit like. He wore himself out, gently moving his arms back and forth. Like, as soon as she showed up, he, like, couldn't even stand. And it was like, buddy, you've been doing these exercises for probably, like, 20 minutes. Like Maybe the point is, like, when you do Tai Chi, your mind is strong. I don't know. Like I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I also didn't really understand Buffy's rationale for not telling anyone that he's back. Like she's saying, just gonna bring that up. They wouldn't understand that he's better. Like she already told Willow that the spell worked. Like he has a soul again. Why would they not understand that he's not? Like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's very contrived. I don't even think it's contrived though. I think she's just being really immature again and kind of going. You know, it. it, I really. am like pro Buffy's judgment almost all the time. But this is definitely, especially now that we've talked about it so much about in the first few episodes of this season where like she keeps complaining to her friends about how they wouldn't understand what happened to her and then refusing to tell them anything about it. So like the best that she's come to was her, you know, confession to Giles that Angel was better before she killed him. But like, again, like she really has still not reached out, you know, and to Willow, she could definitely tell Willow, like they had a whole fight where Willow could, sobbed to her about how I am your best friend and you can tell me these things and I need to be able to tell you these things too and she's still not doesn't want to tell her you know like it's 
it's really frustrating to be like, you literally didn't learn anything from that episode that was all about things coming back from the dead, Buffy. Like, zombies were after you. You didn't internalize a single bit of it. But that's what's bizarre. Like, where she's saying they wouldn't understand. It's like, you've already made this mistake. They wouldn't understand. And exactly. you spent an entire summer, exactly. like, away from... Like, you're right. Like, the learning, like, she's, she's learned absolutely nothing. She's being very childish here. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think it's contrived so much as I think she's being childish. Although, now that you said it, you're right that they're also just trying to ratchet up the drama for when she reintroduces when everybody does find out he's back yeah because if i remember correctly they they make a very dramatic like mm-hmm. scene about it but like mm-hmm. I, I don't see any reasoning for her not to tell them honestly i don't see any reason of re- reasoning for her not to tell at least willow or Giles. If like, not Willow and Giles, yeah. She's already, I mean, maybe Xander doesn't know about the part where um, Angel was cured. Like, honestly, the only people well, in that room were Giles and Willow, and maybe they didn't tell them, but, like. And, and, and I can and understand her reasonable. not wanting to tell Xander, but I don't understand why she wouldn't tell Willow. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. But we only get a little anyway. glimpse of that, so we can move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we got to see shirtless David Boreanaz, so it was a win. I mean, I do kind of, what, what did I say? Where, where, uh, where are my, I don't know where my notes are. I think I put them away, but like, you know what? Actually, was the Tai Chi in the next episode? It's in both. This it's is setting both. the stones. He's just doing it by himself here. And then in the next one, they, uh, in the. No. They oh my God. Did you watch ahead? No, no, no. I just know that that's how they go. No, they how don't. How dare you? <laughs> What? I know because I no, always think about it. No, he did Tai Chi and Band Candy. I have it in my notes. Oh, okay. So I'm mixing up these two episodes. Sorry. I thought you were talking about when he and Buffy do it together later. No. I'm oh, talking okay. about... Yeah. Well, we watched Band Candy. That's why I'm confused. We did watch it. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I didn't watch ahead. <laughs> but we're not talking about Band Candy. We're you're right. You're right. About... You're right. I just got mixed up because I was reading through my notes earlier. I just I meant... Like, like, like I have in one. my notes... Under band candy. <laughs> that got it, got it. Okay, I would sorry, definitely guys. watch David Boreanaz do Tai Chi, and Buffy seemed very into it. Mm-hmm. Well, she <laughs> but, is into it, because they're going to do it together later. Yeah, but also Angel really needs to sweep his courtyard, because it is full of leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and as someone who was forced to rake all the leaves in my yard growing up, I see. <laughs> like have some yeah. OCD like triggers going yeah. on, I was Please. like, no, 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 no. My dad would not stand for that. <laughs> uh, I have things to say about my dad in this episode, too. <laughs> all no, right so uh should we talk about the mayor because we finally meet the mayor i mean we definitely should yeah um, um what a wonderful introduction to a character he's washing his hands <laughs> like how his hands. <laughs> how like in retrospect how perfect is that yeah like, exactly we, we don't get, even see his face we see his hands first yes he is like we as we learn he is 100 mm-hmm. percent like a germaphobe and like this is like the perfect intro to him mm-hmm um, he also, Alan seems terrified, so we know he's, like, scary. Scary, totally. Yeah. And and he chastises Alan for his dirty hands. <laughs> like, he is not kidding about this stuff. Well, the way he described it sounds gross. Like, I'm That's like, do true. I have mayonnaise under my fingernails? Like, mm-hmm. I hope not. I haven't been eating any mayonnaise. I don't know where it would come from. <laughs> <laughs> All your sandwiches. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what to make of him with... Uh, if I try and think about what this would be like if I hadn't seen it, you know, it's been so long since I didn't know who the mayor was, but, um, well, we've only been, been getting like these little hints of like, you wouldn't want me to talk to the mayor, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But like, he doesn't seem particularly menacing. Although we do learn at the end of the episode that he's sort of, um, 
Well, he's very much aware of the vampire situation. Well, and 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 I actually think they do a good job of balancing. So, like, they've obviously introduced him with this quirk, right? And and many he, he says a lot of stuff to the effect of like he's very he's following so many of the rules, <laughs> except for like these weird demon things that he's letting go on and using to his own advantage. But it is interesting, you know, that he, um, yeah, because he's like just keeps talking about cleaning and being clean in the first scene that he's in. I think they definitely do go out of their way in the last scene when he, and when he hires Mr. Trick to make sure that you can always tell that he, he has this underlying level of menace to him though, because I do think like, like you said, Alan is afraid of him. And when he, um, hires Mr. Trick at the end, you know, he's, he's, Mr. Trick is kind of trying to like, well, what if I don't want to do this? And he like has a really like, you're going to, you're going to do this no matter what. And he's very convincing, I think, to like, oh, you mean you, there, there's threat behind what you're saying. Right. I did a bad job of explaining that, but that's what I mean to say that there's threat and menace and intimidation behind everything that he says, even when he's talking about cleaning his hands. So it is, he is doing a good job of like really balancing those sides. Well, and we get a little hint about um, how it's a big year for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an election year? Just uh, Yeah, <laughs> totally an election year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but he doesn't do too much in this episode. You yeah. know, though, of course, he's going to come back in Band Candy. Um, oh, wait, or was that the next one where he says it's a big year? I don't know. See, I, okay, I, I don't know why I'm getting mad at you about the Tai Chi. Like, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of, like, um similarity between this episode of like mm-hmm. I'm I think I'm confusing scenes so the background scenes were similar but this it no that he definitely talked about the big gear for him in this episode because I have notes about Mr. Trick but I want to just talk about Mr. Trick separately so it, he, that was definitely in this one. Oh wait no I yeah you're right because then he offers him a moist towelet <laughs> which is also <laughs> very rare <laughs> um and also you know our introduction to him as you said before was that his assistant is bringing him word that these German super criminals have come into town and he's immediately like on top of it, you know, and it's to what end does he want to know that they're there is I think a little bit open to interpretation, but like he is a mayor who's take he does know everything that's going on in his city and he has plans for all of it, you know, not, not necessarily good plans, but he's, you know, I think, I just think that was like, he is a, he's good at his job, at least in a lot of the senses of it. Well, and he has plans for it, but he's also concerned about these international, like, criminals coming to his town because right. it's like, <laughs> he's like, why are they here? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, um, yeah, so. But I guess I, I feel like, it, you know, so many times politicians get depicted more in fiction or whatever, right? Might be a little bit more hapless and, like, he's not that. Well, he's had a lot of practice. That's true. <laughs> true. He shouldn't be. He better know what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, talk about Slayer Fest. Okay. Um, also, <laughs> like, oh, my God, how 90s is it to call something, like, something Fest, fest yeah. 90s something? Like, I'm just like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it's such a funny idea, to be honest. And well, it's I really funny, just... but it's also ridiculous. Like, honestly, like, two Slayers versus, like, I guess the idea is, like, he was counting on them being, like, the element yeah. of surprise. But, like, I don't know. Like, Buffy takes him down single-handedly pretty well. I don't think like, he was counting on anything. I think Mr. Trick was just trying to, like, well, best-case scenario, they kill the Slayers. And worst-case scenario, he got paid by all of them. Didn't they pay him to, uh, they, to they arrange did. it? 
Yeah. So he's just very enterprising. <laughs> I just, I really like him. I forgot how much I enjoyed him. And now I'm like, I'm sad that he hadn't made a bigger impact on me in all the previous viewings. Like I, l- I always think fondly of Mr. Trick, but like, he's just so funny. I don't know. He's very enterprising. Exactly. And like, yeah. we've seen him already kind of embrace technology and I don't know. I don't know. He's just like, he's out for himself and he's just going to do whatever he wants. You know, like if it becomes Well, and him... you could also argue there's a little bit of the element of Spike here where totally, at, the very yes. least, at the very least, if this all goes south, he learns the, um, you know, the, the ability of these slayers, like what he's up against. Yeah. Um, which you could argue that he really does because, um, slowly one by one, these assassins kind of get picked off and he's so blase mm-hmm. about it. Like you're right. Yeah, like, he, he doesn't was care at all. Like, Oh, this is a fun game to play. Yeah. You know, although it's a fun game to play bringing in like international assassins and, <laughs> um, we get the return of a Gorch brother. Mm-hmm. So, the remaining um, one and his wife, Candy. Yeah, and we also see, like, Mr. Trick's attitude towards, like, the rest of the demon world. Like, I love where he's like, I don't know what you are, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I mean, I, I guess, I, th- I think we talked about this in the last, or at least in the introduction to Mr. Trick, but it is, again, just kind of in reaction to Kendra and the way things ended up with her last season is, like, Mr. Trick openly comments on race. Yeah. You know, he's one of a, ver- of a very few sad number of black characters that are going to be on this show for the entire run. And like, I, I thought that scene with him talking to the mayor was really good. Like the mayor is like, you know, when they first meet, he doesn't know who the mayor is and he doesn't really know what he wants. And so when the mayor starts talking about how this is an important year for me and blah, 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 he's like, Oh, I've heard this before. You want me to get out of town because I don't fit in. And he, and he says something about how like that got old before I was ever a vampire. And I just thought like, I don't know. I'm glad that they bring it up. I, it's a shame that they don't <laughs> they don't do this more. No, you know, although and that really once he dies, there's not going to be anyone else for a while. No, Oops. well, God, although God, speaking of that, I <laughs> since we're talking about it, I do want to mention that one of the babies in Band Candy was the token black baby. <laughs> so oh yeah, I was like, oh look, diversity. Yeah, um, it does feel very shoehorned in, but it I does. think that yeah, I, the fact that there's never that they're not more integrated into the stories going forward, but I do think Mr. Trick is good and interesting. Um, also uh, kind of just reacting more again to his kind of like spikeness, which is like, well, he's less reckless than spike because when he gets taken to the mayor, the mayor sends some like cops after him and they kidnap him and bring him to the office. But one would assume, I don't know, they, are they humans? Are they other demons dressed as cops? Either way, he really doesn't try to fight back. And I, I took that to be one, a little bit sloppy, but two, to be that, like, he's, again, the sort of person who wants to observe everything before he does anything. So he's not going to, like, why would he just leave extra dead bodies around when he doesn't even know what's going on? Like, unless well, they were trying to kill him. he's smart enough to realize, like, dead cops are dead cops, no matter exactly. who's killed yeah. them. So he's going to open a bunch of questions. Um, they've come to this address, and now they're dead. Like, he's mm-hmm. probably like, I'll just play this out and see, like, where it goes. But I guess I just think, again, that's kind of just his general attitude is one of information getting before he does things. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> one of my favorite things in a villain. No, it's honestly, I think one of my favorite things of this show when we have villains who mm-hmm. come in yeah, who are, like yeah. with the times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Somebody who's bothered to learn how to use a computer <laughs> or who knew it already, important. but still. But yeah, so we get this whole setup of, you know, um, they've sort of hijacked the limo for, um, 
homecoming Mm -hmm. and you know unfortunately cordelia gets sucked into this because Mm -hmm. of the whole homecoming plot but um you know we see who he's assembled to fight buffy and um also props to buffy's reflexes man she escaped a bear trap that's it's true (laughs) um but you know slowly she kind of smartly plays these assassins against each other like Mm -hmm. um you know the the one guy gets his own bear trap, traps him, and mm-hmm. then the and demon she, encounters him, and then um, she, she has the two Germans against each other on accident. Yeah, or. and like the demon also gets blown up by the Germans and their mm-hmm. missile. Um, although his luck was really bad to jump through the one window that was boarded up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, and then in the school to, like, pit the Germans against each other. And, um, by the way, those Germans, that cell phone that they used to, like, Mm -hmm. talk to their boss, like, pretty sure my parents had that cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't even have a screen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I remember those days. Oh, my God. Um, But it's all very, like, elaborate. But in the end, you know, weirdly, the Gorch brother comes out the smartest of all because he knows he's the only one that survives he, well he's also like encountered this slayer before and mm-hmm, so he's the only true. one who's betting on her winning and coming to her watcher for help so he's right. waiting for her in the library true very true yeah um it's all very interesting but you know I mean, and it, it is a good demonstration again of just kind of her 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 skills you know they are locked they get dropped off in the woods with nothing and by the end of it, she's got, like, a couple of weapons. She's weaseled information out of the first guy, the hunter, with, who gets stuck in his own bear trap and, like, continues to kind of just get what she needs while also protecting Cordelia. Um, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Cordelia yeah. has a spatula. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you know what I have to say? I um, So I – we can talk about it in a minute. But mm-hmm. the Xander Willow portion of this episode, to me yeah. – is a reason to boycott this episode in general. And the only reason I unboycott it is because of Cordelia and her spatula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is great. And and I made it onto my to my note collecting chart. You know, she yes. <laughs> has a big joke about how they're in they're stuck in this cabin and they don't have anything. And Buffy's like, is there anything we can use? And Cordelia's like, well, there's just the spatula and a phone. And then she's like, well, obviously <laughs> we can use that phone to call someone. But then Cordelia just keeps the spatula. And then like a few scenes later, they do use it to kill uh to kill the Candy Gorch, to kill Lyle's <laughs> wife. And I was like, touche, Cordelia. They really did use it. Like, well, death by spatula is pretty good. We see what Cordelia's like with a gun, so. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> uh, although that spatula looked like it was plastic to me. It was. So how did they stake a vampire with it? Maybe it had a wooden handle. I'm saying it didn't look like it had one, but oh. I'm willing to overlook it. Obviously there was wood or otherwise it wouldn't have killed the vampire, but get a better prop. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna overlook it on the sake of just pure badass. I mean, it was it was great, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, kind of along the same vein, when uh, so then when they're back in the high school and the German, there's two German twins, right? And they're or I guess I assume they were twins. Sorry, um, uh, unknown. Okay, well, Buffy, I don't know. Don't apologize. I don't know if they were or not. <laughs> I just don't want to offend you. Um, they find out that they're the Germans have been tracking her and Cordelia with like little devices that were in their corsages. And so Buffy takes them and she like asks Giles for like water and toilet paper. <laughs> she like makes a spit wad and that's how she attacks. Like she throws the little tracking devices in different directions so that they end up shooting each other. But I was just like, it's also pretty great to take out two like highly trained assassins with a spit wad. <laughs> <laughs> also to come up with that in this moment is a little bit interesting. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, she demonstrates her reflexes, her creative thinking, and like all of this general level-headedness. She's a great slayer. Of course they weren't going to take her out. That was ridiculous of them to think they could. Yeah. So let's talk about Homecoming Queen, because you can tell okay. I'm trying to put off talking about the worst part. Ugh, me so. too. I mean, we don't even really have... I mean, well, I feel whatever. like we have to, and I... Ugh. You're right. But I, I do think that a lot of the things that come up in this episode, kind of again to my earlier point, like Buffy's feeling alienated in high school, number one, is like super relatable, obviously. But it is a thing that's going to get kind of, not tied up, but like there's a coda to this episode at the end of the season, I think, where, you know, she feels left out and like nobody notices her, literally goes up to a teacher and that teacher doesn't know who she is. But like people do notice Buffy and... I just think it was, it's, again, kind of just some some groundwork that they're laying. I might be wrong, but I feel like this is maybe one of the last Buffy, like, I just want to be normal episodes. Mm. Because that is kind of what it is. Like, it is. The, the Homecoming Queen plot is, the, this is another one of Buffy going, oh, poor me, I'm the Slayer, which mm-hmm. I don't mean to belittle that, because actually that sucks. But, it's a huge um, <laughs> but like, this yeah, is one where she's, right. she's trying to say, like, I can be normal high school Buffy mm-hmm. also. And so yeah. she's trying to become homecoming queen, which um, is interesting because by all evidence, Buffy knows like five people in the school. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I actually wrote that down too, because I was like, as much as her friends are a huge, a huge theme in the show and her having friends is really important that she really doesn't seem to know anyone other than them. Cause why would she? I, I agree. But I think it's yeah. interesting. Cause like even in other, other shows where it's, you know, people that focus on one group of people, it still seems clear that, like, they know, like, it's clear to us that Willow knows other people because she's often, like, seen having small conversations, you know? But it's mm-hmm. like, Buffy really doesn't know anyone except for them. And now Faith. Yeah. Um, although, sidebar, Faith mm-hmm. really comes through in this episode. She doesn't she does. <laughs> take part of Slayerfest because she wasn't in the limo, but she... Definitely gets back at Scott for Buffy, which is totally enjoyable. It's true. And she's the one who suggests that they go to the dance together anyway. And I do, yeah. I I actually think, again, that like, yeah, it's nice to see, or it's not really nice so much as it is important to remember that when Buffy and Faith first get together, you know, they are friends for a while. Or friendly, at Friend, least. Uh, yeah, but I think they're, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, they don't make it to that to that level exactly, but I think... They're, right now, if we were, if I had just watched this episode, I would say like, oh yeah, Faith and Buffy are becoming friends. They're bonding over things. They're helping each other out. It's it's going in one direction. <laughs> yes. Um, but so speaking of friends, like Buffy and Cordelia, this is kind of like their mm-hmm. bonding experience of like. It's true. They're very nasty to each other they in are. a lot of these interactions. <laughs> and, they really are. Um, you kind of get a sense all the way back to the pilot of like you know, they were almost friends mm-hmm. and then there was a very fundamental yeah. <laughs> dislike that happened. Yeah. Um, or at least on Buffy's part, but on Cordelia's, maybe she recognized Buffy wasn't quite what she wanted, but mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. Like we finally get a circling back of like them kind of confronting this, like they are two sides of the same coin in a way mm-hmm. of like Cordelia is who Buffy used to be. And right. Um, and in some ways, Buffy might resent her for being able to be that and not being true, cursed with true. being the, the chosen one. Um, so we see them embark on this battle, and it's a very entertaining montage set to a pop song. And <laughs> I don't understand that part, but 
I, I would like wonder if that's a network note if they were like probably we're, we're contractually obli- obligated to play fastball will you please yeah. put this song <laughs> in your episode um and we're also treated to some kids eating cupcakes in a very mm-hmm. savage manner that yeah, i yeah they're like understand. that little kid in matilda um but you know we we do see at the end of it of like Cordelia realizing what it's like to be Buffy and uh, yeah. kind of appreciating that. And also Buffy realizing, like, even though she's not the chosen one, Cordelia is a force to be reckoned with. Well, and also that Cordelia is the one who says, like, why do you even care about this stuff? <laughs> and she's kind of doing that thing where she's, like, seems like an airhead all the time, but is really observant about what everybody's doing, you know? So it's like, she's the one who I think kind of helps Buffy overcome this at the end, being like, I mean, obviously Buffy still wants to win at the end of it, win the homecoming crown at the end of it. But I do feel like Cordelia's right to say, like, why would you care about these stupid types of recognition when you know that you're literally saving the world all the time? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I do a, love it's at a the nice end, thing like, for her to say, too. Yeah. And and I, I love at the end, like, they've gone through all of this. And, yeah. Like, they finally lose and they just look at each other and they're like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> totally finally on the same page. And it's, it's like, totally true. Yeah. Um, well, and we she, also learn in this that Cordelia loves Xander. I know. It's which so mean. She does They're not only, deserve you, Cordelia. No. And they only put that in. This scene, this episode and the next one had so many more instances of Cordelia being really sweet. And I'm like, you're just doing this to twist the knife. I don't. Also, I believe, I, I believe that Cordelia, you know, feels this way now, but ugh, yeah, he does not deserve her. And like, Okay. So Buffy takes out some vampires with a spatula. Buffy takes out some vampires with a spit wad. But Cordelia takes out a vampire using only her mean words. Like, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Well, she doesn't so much kill him as run him out of town. True, true, true. But, like, hey, a win is a win. It is pretty badass. That is a great scene, and I love it every single time when she just, like, explains. She's just like, fine, you think I'm the Slayer? I'm the Slayer, and look at all this shit we already did. Ugh, that's so smart. Yeah. I was trying to connect that, but I don't have good enough memories of Angel to be like, Cordelia does have, she does have some strengths and I just, I don't know. I, I want to make a comment about it, but I can't think, I, I don't have enough good examples in my head, but I'm interested in when we watch Angel, like how she ends up contributing to the group. Other than I know, I know the one way that she does, but she's physically present a lot more. And I feel like in Angel, she's more hands-on than like Xander is in Buffy even though she's still human. Does that make any sense? I'm just curious how she makes her, she, I feel like she makes herself more useful than Xander ever does in, in like an, on, on a normal basis, not Um, one off things. I think for the first two episodes, she's definitely in a Xander role of like helping out with research, kind of there in the field, but then yeah, definitely in the arc of the show. I feel like she's fine. And I guess I just feel like this is a good example of like, she's, she is willing to like dive in. Yeah. Not that, and I'm not even trying to shit on Xander for once. That That's just, he's just the only person I could think of to compare it to. No, let's, let's, let's shit but this let's conversation. Shit let's, let's, <laughs> I, I just, okay. I can't, Question I, this is number one. my least favorite little subplot on the history of, of this time. show. Agreed. Allie, <sighs> why does Willow have so many homecoming dresses? Who shops that way? They're not dresses. They're, she's shopping her closet. But then she has a black formal gown at the end of it. It doesn't make yeah, sense to me. She's, no. she's escalating her formality the whole time. She starts out with like pants and a nice shirt. Ugh. And then she's got a weird sweater and maxi skirt. And then yeah. she puts on the dress, which looks like it she's It was a wearing, new dress, though. Well, 
Maybe I'm just her saying, mom put it in her closet. I don't know. Maybe. I'm saying, also, why does she have one of those folding dress screens in her room? No why is she is playing romantic there? music it while she invites Xander over to try on it's clothes? Like, this, why Why does she invite Xander over to help her pick out a dress and not Buffy? I don't understand any That's of this. That's a great point. It doesn't make any sense. Why do they care? <sighs> and then Xander follows it up by saying that they can't do it because he respects her too much. Like, get out of here, Xander. You have never been respectful to Willow in this entire run of the show up to this point. Stop it. That's that's literally the worst thing that he could have said. That's the most untrue thing that he could have said. Is he into her now? Does he think she's hot? Sure. If he had said those things, I would have at least believed him. But, like, he's just really playing some sort of messed up game where he's like, oh, but I respect you too much. Like, what? And when have you ever demonstrated All it took was Willow that? putting on a long black dress. What? Like, exactly. geez, Willow, put that on two years ago. Seriously. Like, come on. Ugh. And I think that one of the things that bothers me about this the most is how I, it seems to be like the show is trying to make us think that this is a good thing because <laughs> they play more so in the next episode, but they play that sappy little music every time they kiss or touch. And it's like, this is not a thing I want to feel rosy about. Is this for the people who were still mad about Oz being there and who like definitely Maybe. wanted Xander and Willow to get together? And like, I don't know. The showrunners were like. Well, let's just show how bad an d- idea this really is. And it's like, we already know. We're not We're not here for this. Like, I'm, you know, I'm over Xander proclaiming his love for Willow while she's in a coma and, and treating her like crap while she's conscious. Like, And, yeah, and I also, just, I just don't buy it. It's like, well, I guess that's not true. But I don't want to. I don't want to see no, Willow you know what I don't? So... You know what I don't miss about season one is forlorn, lovesick, exactly. tiny Willow. Like, yeah. Well, and how many times have we talked about, like, how good she is at being mature and dealing with this and figuring out ways to move on with her life? And, like, to see her get drugged back into it is, like, first of all, again, speaks to, like, I know that this is, I I do feel like Xander is is true to to life in this particular instance. But, like, it's a thing that I hate watching is people string each other around for their own, like, ego. You know, he doesn't mean this. It's just not fun to watch. You can't have... You can't fall in love with her one second because she puts on a, like, sort of sexy dress. Like, that's not a thing, Xander. You're just mad because you can't have her. The dress isn't even that sexy, okay? No, she looks good, but... She looks good, but it's but like... But it is weird, yeah. Like, he's... I feel like he's seen her in more revealing clothing already. Yeah, I don't, like... <sighs> so much about this that I hate. And why does she have a dressing partition in her room, Allie? <laughs> Uh, For just so these she moments? can try on clothes with Xander. <laughs> I don't know. How often are they doing this? I don't know. I did like the one line when Willow said that she wants Oz to go, oh. <laughs> okay, but she was like, I just want Oz to go, oh. Like, not yeah. like, oh. like No, oh. I know, like, that's how Oz talks. Yeah, like, oh, you, you, <laughs> you paid for parking, cool. Like, <laughs> that's her impression of him when he would say it, but he would really mean it. <laughs> I guess yeah. I did feel like that was a little bit like oh, underwhelmed I, I liked it she was that's how Oz talks she was doing her Oz impression I guess Ugh, I'm just like <sighs> not on board with this and we get more of it in the next episode and that's so upsetting I know but... I hate it even more in the next episode this one at least I could if it had only ever happened the once I feel like it could I could live with it it's the the next the footsie in the next episode is the one that just makes me up a wall yeah. um but yeah, I mean. So I had a thought uh-huh. watching this episode. This is completely unrelated to Xander and Willow because I okay. want to be done with Xander I'm and Willow, with at it. least for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I know we've talked about Buffy's sad overalls before, <laughs> but like other than her sad overalls, have we ever seen Buffy in jeans? You know, like think about it. I feel because, like probably in season one, but not often. You're definitely right that she doesn't wear them very much. Because like maybe I remember her wearing them in um, when she was bad, like when she's fighting the master mm. or not the master, but all those vampires. Like, I don't know why I remember that, but like. I just had this thought because, like, in the breakup scene where Scott's, like, breaking up with Buffy, like, she's mm-hmm. wearing these, like, really heinous, like, khaki business casual pants. <laughs> yeah. and I, but I just, like, don't understand. Buffy oh, dresses like she's temping at an office. Like, why is she wearing those pants? Like, she's wearing these, like, awful khaki slacks. Yeah, it's so right. weird. You're right. You're right. And I feel like her, her outfits get more and more formal as the season goes on. And I'm just like. Well, she wears a lot of mini skirts. Those aren't very formal. No, I think like <laughs> you're we're talking right about, about like pants. business separates. Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's why I never wear khakis because I feel like you always look like that. There's no good way to pull it off. But these or aren't some... even khakis. These are like khaki colored like <laughs> yeah. slacks. Like Ugh, I'm sure and they I fit about as like well that. as dress pants usually do on mm-hmm. people. And it's just like just I don't know. And I it also occurred to me like the homecoming dresses on this are like very fancy for homecoming. Like they're gorgeous dresses, but like. Mm-hmm. They're more like prom dresses. And also, as much as I love Buffy's dress, not into the body glitter, but... (laughs) I'm into the body glitter. But, like, why is everything so fancy? Like, it's just so weird. Um, I thought of something else I wanted to say about the dress, and I just forgot about it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're not wrong. it wasn't business casual. It wasn't business casual. Here's my other question. Did the German guy get to take all the money at the end? Because they kidnapped Mr. Trick, (laughs) and he thinks he won. And no one else comes back. What happened to the end of this contest? Yeah, it's totally, to un- money? It's totally unresolved. I, I would assume that Mr. Trick didn't just leave it standing there. But maybe I would assume did. because they were smart about the other money when they were talking about the non-consecutive bills. Right, right, so. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But he. But that guy. No one's ever going to tell him he didn't win. I think he's going to figure it out when he finds his dead German guys. How's he going to find them? Yeah, I guess you're right. He probably had heart monitors. No. Then he would have known right away. Okay. Yeah, when they never re- respond, when, they never when he's back. like, hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Well. Oh, anyway. you know the other thing I wanted to comment about this episode? This is what I almost forgot. Uh, when Buffy is talking to that teacher trying to get a letter of recommendation, she mentions that like her class, she was like, oh, your class, Contemporary American Heroes. Like, what kind of high school class is that? But did you have high school classes like that, though? Because sometimes when you talk about your high school, I have that same thought. My high school? Yeah. What class did I take that you have that thought about? I don't know. Something that you've said to me over the years. I took a well, did you ever take class a class once? called Contemporary American Heroes? No. Because who but, could make a whole semester out of that if you're not in a high-level college class? What are you I talking about? I thought that about? was maybe like a, like a meta commentary on Buffy being a Contemporary American Hero. Okay. All right. I mean, I'll I'm totally that. making this up, but I, no, I did actually think that was like wildly specific. Like she should have been like, <laughs> exactly. as a junior, she should have been like in your American history, yeah. uh, revolution English through class. civil war. Like when we studied Shakespeare in your eye opening English class, like literally anything else. Yeah. That was a little bit weird. <laughs> okay. I accept your explanation though. Yeah. Now I'm curious what class I took in high school. <laughs> it might've been, it might've been humanities. I took a humanities class. I took a world cultures class. It's that. That's what it is. 
But it was more like world history. We just studied it through the lens of Russia, China, the the Middle East, and then like contemporary global stuff. All of those are words I didn't know in high school. Russia? (laughs) Okay, not Russia. (laughs) Okay. Tell me about band candy. (laughs) I also took band in 12th grade, not 12th grade, 9th grade. Oh, I didn't have I don't remember band. selling bit candy. We sold cheesecakes. Hmm. Um, oh, we're not talking about my experience anymore? Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> wait, because... Oh, okay, now I want to talk about band. Wait, what happened? And now I want to talk about band. You reminded me that in high school, I was friends with all the band nerds, except no, they didn't, like, get picked on or anything, but it was always really sad because at the end of the year, they would take a trip somewhere and, like, be gone from school for a few days, and then for those few days, I didn't have any friends. <laughs> Literally, all oh. my friends were on the band trip. Uh, okay that's it my ninth grade band we went to disney world that's fun yeah i think my friends all went to disneyland once and then that was even worse because it was like i don't have anyone to talk to and you guys are all at disneyland together Ugh. should have been a band you could have played the triangle it would have been minimal effort maximum fun (laughs) i had too many (laughs) classes to take i had to take my american heroes class <laughs> That's obviously why Buffy's not in band. Um, but as we learn in this episode, being in band does not preclude you from having to sell band candy. That's true. Um, okay, so uh, <clears throat> we are going to do another fun recap because uh, the most important thing about this entire episode is the effect of band candy on Giles. I That's agree. true. I would and, like to yeah. read you, yeah. Jenny, a little story called Giles Gone Wild. Okay. <laughs> and I will try to get through this without laughing. No promises. All right. <clears throat> One might I can't oh my god I almost started to- <laughs> Okay right. I, almost, I almost started doing this in a British accent <laughs> Neither of us can do acting or, ac- or accents at all Oh my god I realized oh. that like two seconds in I was like why am I doing this This is a terrible idea Okay <laughs> Going to Okay Oh. Compose myself. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. One might say I lean toward the sleepy side when it comes to how I punch myself in public. Unfortunately, <laughs> I can't say I'm proud of last night's behavior. Fortunately, I can blame my actions on the consumption of cursed chocolate innards. Yes, I blame <laughs> them entirely. All the adults who ate them turned into a bunch of randy, fluffy teenagers. Do I think Buffy's mother Joyce is an attractive dragon? I do. <laughs> But it was that infectious confection we ate that made us engage in slippery relations. Ooh, er, oh my! Twice. <laughs> While Buffy was busy saving helpless eyeballs from certain death, Joyce and I drank, smoked, and chewed our way through Sunnydale. Off the record, we had a brilliant time. And now my throbbing toenail is paying the price. <laughs> oh my! Thanks to copious amounts of kombucha. <laughs> And if memory serves correctly, I believe I also vandalized a store, shop shopped, and dear lord, (laughs) beat up an officer of the puppy. (laughs) Thankfully, everyone has returned to their adult stakes. May Buffy never discover what really happened. (laughs) Well done, Ginny, on the choice of words. Slippery was particularly saucy. (laughs) Also, shop shopped? Shop shopped. (laughs) That was the name of the shop. Uh, no. Wait, say that sentence again. I also vandalized a store, shop shopped, and, dear lord, beat up an officer of the puppy. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like, 
shoplifted. Shoplifted. Yeah. Shop, yes. shop, shop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now it's funnier. <laughs> shop, shop. <laughs> Uh, in other words, gang sells candy, adults eat candy, adults turn into teenagers. Yeah. Hijinks ensue. <laughs> Hijinks ensue. <laughs> uh, yeah. I did enjoy I mean, Teenage Ripper, though. This episode's super fun. Um, I really enjoy Teenage Joyce, also. She was yeah. quite the troublemaker. Um, yeah. And Teenage Snyder. I can't overlook him. He's so good at playing this, like, really pathetic wannabe guy in the background that it just... He just he's the me. best. Yeah. Because he's like, because I'm the principal. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's obviously like, I think they've before like talked to him where I think either Buffy or Joyce or someone was like, you didn't have any friends in high school, did you? Oh, and like, you, you kind of a, see yeah. like, he's the type of person who like doesn't. Like yeah. he's like, hey, wait up. Like. Exactly. Yeah. Desperate totally for plays. friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to impress everyone. But also happy to have all the power, which is not unlike how he is as an adult. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. This episode is just so fun and Ethan gets, you know, Ethan is the one that gets brought back to cause all of this trouble and it's always good to see Ethan. Um, yeah, because we find out that Ethan knows Mr. Trick, mm -hmm. which should we really be surprised? I don't know. But like, I I assume at the end he's talking about, he paid his guy. He's talking about Ethan. He is totally. yeah. Yeah. So, um, Ethan has a reputation, I suppose. Mm-hmm, exactly. No, I'm not really, again, I really like that aspect of this episode where, like, so now that, you know, the mayor has hired Mr. Trick right up from the get-go in this episode, we hear, you know, we watch them have this conversation where the mayor says, like, well, I have to do this, I have to keep my campaign promises, so I need you to arrange something. And, um, you know, he needs him to arrange some sort of distraction in town so that he can pay tribute to a demon. And, um... Mr. Trick is like, oh, I've got just the guy. And then the mayor just is like, I don't know, should you be subcontracting this out? <laughs> uh, but again, like you said, at the, by the end of the episode, um, so they pay Ethan to like sell this band candy so that all the adults will be distracted in town and they can make a sacrifice to the demon, which turns out are like four tiny babies, which is why they need mm. every, everybody to be distracted. Okay, Joyce. Um, and since... Of course, plan everything doesn't really go according to plan at the end because Buffy finds out, finds out and kills the demon. But Mr. Trick is like insistent that like we still have to pay Ethan because he did his end of the bargain, and I really appreciate that. Like he's a good he's, businessman. He's, not, he's a good businessman, and he doesn't want to burn bridges unnecessarily. Like again, with this, like why cause waste when you don't need it? Like why are we going to make more people angry if that's not going to get it? You know, it's not his fault. It's not Ethan's fault for once that this didn't go right. Right, and the mayor can't really argue that he's wrong because exactly. like he did f- fulfill his end of the bargain. Now mm-hmm. they don't know that he like told Buffy everything that he knew, but True. you know, True. other than that. So you could argue that he didn't quite, but that's a good point, but they have no way of knowing that. Right. Um, you're right. So this is the episode where Angel does Tai Chi, as I see so clearly in my notes now. <laughs> <laughs> and also the one where he falls over helpless when Buffy walks in the room. I was just really confused. Um, <laughs> I think the other one, she like, Brings him blood. Or you're right. Something. You're totally right. Yeah. yeah. I just thought no, that was. The I, same get, scene. I mean, it's definitely like there are two kind of similar scenes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I was confused too because you started talking about it and I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then <laughs> Sorry. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm not sure which direction you want to go first. You want to talk about the mayor or talk about all the funny hijinks? 
I mean, I said well, a lot about the mayor already, but there's... We did. I mean, I think a lot of this ties into the last episode of, like, we're really just kind of seeing more of, like, who the mayor is in the world of mm-hmm. Sunnydale. Like, he is the mayor, but we also see, like, he's obviously well aware, as is a good portion probably of city council mm-hmm. and c- civic leaders that... Sunnydale is, in fact, on a hellmouth, mm-hmm. and they have coordinated tributes to demons and, mm-hmm. you know, um, probably some sort of um, unofficial truce with vampires or, you know, the vampires mm-hmm. might not even be aware of it, but it might be that they're just kind of letting them go about their business um, mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't lead to too much carnage. Um, you know, and the mayor, he's very civic-minded, but he's also, <laughs> like, you know... He is the mayor, but yeah. he also, you know, he's trying to have, he's trying to, well, I mean, you could argue as bad as it is, like he's trying to successfully run a city that's located on a hellmouth. And think perhaps right, yeah. if he didn't coordinate these tributes, then worse things might happen because um, it yeah. won't this time because Buffy killed the demon, but. Um, you know, had it, yeah, had she not had that not happened, like, and then point. you know, as Willow remarks at one point that this tribute is late, so, mm-hmm. um, hmm. which maybe is why they had to coordinate this big um, distraction because maybe in the past, like one or two babies is sufficient, and so and no that's notices. a small enough yeah. number that no one really notices. But then, um, in this one, like four babies, that would like bring down like the FBI onto the hospital or something. So, well, yeah. actually, honestly, one baby should do that too, but I don't, I'm just, I'm willing to go <laughs> yeah. with the idea that for whatever reason, this tribute is late. And so therefore has to be larger and therefore mm-hmm. they have to coordinate a distraction for mm-hmm. all of the adults. In or town. a bigger distraction. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. It's an interesting point that you make about the mayor too, because I do think, uh, I, I wasn't thinking about it in this particular episode, but overall, in the season, I think, yeah, the impression that you get is that he takes his job seriously. He just also has other ambitions. So it's like, he, but he does. But also think he about does like, what does Sunnydale. it mean to run a city mm-hmm. on a hellmouth? It's a good point. I mean, and honest, I feel like they're going to answer those questions or explore those questions more so in Angel, which is like, yeah, do you have to, if in order to like stop, I don't know. I don't know how to say this, but like, I do think there are, you know, there is a theory of, like, heroism that involves, like, yes, sometimes making, um, accepting collateral damage and, like, losses are going to happen on your way to keeping more people safe. I don't think that's actually what the mayor is doing, but I definitely think that sometimes that's what he's doing. I think that's how he maybe started. Yeah, 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 that's probably. (laughs) And it's not where he's wound up. But Certainly. we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Though at this point, <laughs> we really haven't seen any of that. He just no. continues to be menacing. If he weren't, if he weren't constantly threatening Mr. Trick, I, I honestly would think that maybe that is what we were supposed to think. That he's actually just trying to do good and keep more pe- save more lives than, pe- than, than let demons attack the whole town or whatever. Right, and and at this point, you could you could be justified in thinking that he's aware of all this demonic activity. He's trying his best to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have his town survive amidst all of this and have the humans survive. And because all we know at this point is he's human. He seems somewhat menacing. Um, We do see him notice Buffy arrive at the tribute Mm -hmm. and immediately he leaves the room. Mm -hmm. So he clearly doesn't want her to know that he's there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but but there's nothing to like overtly signal like bad guy other than like well I, he's, I don't well the, he's doing business with bad people but like it's right you could also think to maybe what he's end just being super pragmatic true i do think that again the hint is both of these episodes end with him 
I think, being really threatening to Mr. Trick. <clears throat> and the way that, particularly, I think that the guy who plays the mayor does a good job of, like, saying something in such a manner that, like, I was a little bit scared hearing him say it that way, you know? So I, I think that he, it, it is clear that he's has some evil to him. Although, again, what, exactly what he's up to is completely, could be anything. Um, right. I also want to admit that this is a thing that I've been, well, I've been bringing it up as we watch the last few episodes, but um, especially in season two, when Principal Snyder first name drops the mayor, I, I couldn't remember if he was supposed to know who Buffy was or wasn't, but I did get the impression from, I don't remember which of these two episodes, that he knows who Buffy is and knows that she's a slayer. So I think that does kind of in retroactively a lot of those conversations that or things that Snyder said are still a little bit like vague and suspicious, but it, it at least it calmed me down knowing that like, okay, I think the mayor has always known who she is. I think he's aware that there's a slayer in town and I think he's become aware that it's Buffy. Right. Yeah. But whereas before I honestly couldn't remember if him discovering that there was a slayer and that it was her was a plot point. So it's not, he already knows, or at least he already knows most of it, you know. Well, I think that's the only reason to have Snyder be so against Buffy is like it's coming mm-hmm. down from above or something. Well, I think also Snyder's just a jerk and he has, he, she's a cute girl and he doesn't like her. <laughs> but yeah. to sick the uh, police after her as a murderer at the end of season two, yeah, that's probably because the mayor had some sort of plan. I'm not saying it all checks out 100%, but at least it calmed me down thinking that they didn't totally miss that. They, yeah. Yeah. Um... So yeah, so we're setting up the mayor for a, well, I mean, at this point it's unclear if we're even setting him up for a foe, but we're definitely setting him mm-hmm. up as a formidable presence mm-hmm. in this season. Um, I, but beyond I like your, that... I like your point about him running out as soon as Buffy got there, because I also hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Like, he's no, he going sees to her and to make sure like, people don't know bye. who he is. Yeah. Or that she um, doesn't know he's involved. Also about that scene, one thing I loved mm. is that he's in the middle of a tribute of delivering babies to a demon, and yet he's still calling his mm-hmm. <laughs> head of sewer and whatever about maintenance <laughs> to mm-hmm. the sewer lines. Now, how he got signal down there, I'm not sure, but... Okay. Um, well, I have two important things to say about that scene. Number one, this is a scene that made me think about my own father, who used to work for city building maintenance, and would frequently comment about things being out of code every time we went literally anywhere. Every hotel, every restaurant, every whatever. So that cracked me up extra. It's a funny scene anyway, but it was particularly funny to me. And But what's cooler about that is that he's pointing out the faulty pipes, and then at the end, at the very end of the episode, she uses, she uses the faulty, the faulty pipes. pipes to I didn't to even flame, make that connection. Yeah, That's to flame so funny. throw the demon. And I was like, wow, that is clever. <laughs> anyway, so the, the faulty pipe. he wasn't wrong. <laughs> they were a fire hazard. <laughs> yeah, I never made that connection. <laughs> but anyway... But I guess you're right that that's also kind of an example of him taking, he, he definitely has a strong sense of civic duty. Again, like all the ways in which that's going to play out are super questionable, but he means, he does think he's right. And he thinks that he's good, at least for a while. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, I guess we should talk about the band candy. <laughs> the fun part? The fun part. <laughs> The part where, like, all the adults are, like, begrudgingly sold, like, all of this candy and then from, like, the moment they receive it are, like, constantly eating it in the background. That's so funny. Like, Joyce is like, fine, I'll buy 20. And Giles is like, fine, I'll buy 20. And, Uh like, 
And then, but then, like, immediately, we just kind of see them, like, casually in the background. You're totally right. So Uh, funny. Because, yeah, the other setup to this whole thing is that they keep giving Buffy lectures about being mature. So then, of course, they have to get turned into immature versions of themselves. Yes. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, side note was in the scene when everyone's talking about how it affected their parents. Mm -hmm. And Cordelia's were so sad. Oh, it was. Oh. Her, her. She was like, my dad just locked herself in the bathroom with old issues yeah. of like Esquire. Some porn she said Esquire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gross. Ew. So gross. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. And Xander anyway, is, yeah, Xander like is all, unaffected. Yeah, Xander's unaffected because he's already has gross emotional problems. Yeah. Um. But no. So the really the the highlight of this that we see is mm-hmm. the effect on. Giles and Joyce mm-hmm. um, and Snyder, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, but they eat this candy and then like the adults in town just turn into teenagers. Though I do love like they're all like, oh, my God, they're acting like teenagers. And Willow's like, I don't act like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They do definitely go hog wild. It must have been laced with something else, too, because like even if you're immature, you don't maybe just go totally nuts for a whole night. But, um, I think it was, like, it reverted them to, like, their teenage mindset plus a little bit of, like, an intoxicant. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Because also, um, the other, the, just, like, other little things around the background, the one that I really liked is that the mailman is just sitting in the park reading everybody's mail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, even the nurse who, like, doesn't even notice when the vampires come in and take all the babies, mm-hmm. like, she's just like, what? Get off my back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um... um but we see Giles turn into, if not full-on Ripper, like Ripper-esque mm-hmm, with his definitely. sort of, um, his accent totally changes. Yeah. And Did you read? into like a Cockney or something. Well, so it was funny because when he was saying. Maybe not Cockney. When he was but. talking, I wrote down in my notes like, oh, you really, he sounds like Spike. And then I was reading online and this makes sense because I, I knew this part is that that's his real accent. That's okay, Anthony. Really? Yeah. And the rest of it is a, a voice that he uses to be Giles. But the other, the thing that I knew about before is that Spike, you know, James Marsters is not British, the guy who plays Spike, but he based his accent on Anthony Stewart Head's real life oh. accent. So that's why he sounds like Spike, because Spike is literally imitating him. <laughs> so I guess he decided that young Giles didn't have this posh accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just like kind of like, like, that whole dynamic when Joyce is at his house and, like, they're drinking and smoking and listening to albums yeah. and, like, she's totally acting like the girl who got invited to the cool guy's place mm-hmm. to, like, hang. Mm-hmm. And, I like, agree. she's like, oh, your records are really good. And he's like, they're yeah. all right. And she's like, I know how to order pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that they're cute together. I also wonder if that is a little bit of a, like, kind of, again, like, there must have been people, or it just yeah. seems like in TV that it's inevitable that, like, they're the only two single adults that we've met, and it seems natural that at some point they would get together, so I do kind of like that the one and only time that gets resolved is in this episode. No, I do agree that it must be a nod to the theory of, like, well, obviously Giles mm-hmm. will get together with Buffy's mm-hmm, mom, because, exactly. like, on any other more soap-oriented show, that, like, totally exactly. would have happened. Yeah. I always love that it didn't, because, same, like, and it I love- seems totally realistic that, like, First of all, Joyce might be a little bit resentful of Giles. Well, but exactly. Also they have a, yeah. That they're not going to just like fall in love or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get a little bit of that here of like left to their own devices as hormonal teenagers. Like, sure. <laughs> sure. Why They'd not? They'd be into each other. Um, 
you know, and in the end, they seem a little bit mortified. Um, you know, Buffy's convinced that she got to them before anything terrible happened. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. not the case. Yeah. Um, but no, I think everything about the dynamic is like, really I love, love, love the scene between Buffy and Giles when they're at the factory and they're mm-hmm. all trying to get the candy. And he's like, I'm your watcher, so you do what I tell you now. Sawed off. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's trying to be authoritative, but he's just like, right, right. Like, I don't want to actually take control and give her instructions, mm-hmm. but I just want her out of my face. But I still have some authority over her in my mind. Yeah. And she just rips his cigarette out of his mouth. It's great. Yeah. Um, um, also, the, um, the whole thing with, like, um, like, the bronze and the whole scene is, like, I think you're right. Like, that is not how, like, we've seen so many scenes of, like, the teenagers. Right, they're the always there. They're not doing these things. Like, it's also, like, totally unclear. Does the bronze even, like, serve alcohol? Like, I, well, I assume it does. Funny. I for, think like, it does. Yeah. I get in that, um, I have that uh, argument with Alex frequently where he says, there's no place like that that lets teenagers in and serves alcohol. And I say, there definitely are places like that because people went to them when I was in high school. I assume that, like, they serve it, but the kids aren't, like, yeah. drinking it. Yeah. I think it's, like, they must ID. Exactly, like, yeah. I mean, obviously all those adults are, like, drinking something. Um, it's but, a good point, though, because, the, you know, what's interesting is that they do all know who they, it's not like they've forgotten their lives as adults. So I feel like that's probably part of it too, is that like something, it's letting something loose in them that's like, they're old enough to have all the regrets of like a 40 year old, but then none of the maturity to like act responsibly. Well, it's like Joy said, like she remembers that she's a mom, but like, it's like she's waking up and it's just kind of a dream. Right. So I'm saying, oh, that didn't really happen. I'm saying, so even without an intoxicating effect from the candy, I think it is probably leading most of them to actually just drink. Yeah. And then that's part of it too. But yeah, I mean, teenagers don't just wreck the bronze every night. Otherwise it wouldn't be there. We're literally at the bronze all the time. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's always closed for repairs. That's, no, it's <laughs> always closed for fumigation. <laughs> um, we also see a return in this episode to Buffy wanting to get her driver's license. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the band candy, Joyce just tosses her the keys. Uh, she doesn't even have Buffy a permit. Doesn't have a driver's license. Or <laughs> she a doesn't have a permit. And even yeah. if, or maybe she has no. She can't have out a permit. That doesn't make sense. Even if she yeah. did, you're not allowed to drive on your own. It's crazy, yeah. Joyce. And I love that Buffy's a terrible driver. Me too. Like <laughs> only because it like it seems like not because like oh girls are terrible drivers. Like no, no of course Buffy's Buffy. a terrible yeah. driver. What time would she have spent studying or? practicing driving or any of that like she's literally behind the wheel without any idea of what she's doing like willow's pointing out like the parking brake is still on (laughs) like snyder's like whoa you drive like a spaz yeah (laughs) yeah you know it's like of course buffy's terrible at it because like when would she have ever spent the time like learning how Mm -hmm. so and i mean just to kind of rehash one more time too the beginning of this episode right she's having all this run-ins with joyce and with giles partially because she's still trying to keep angel a secret but also because you know, we're still dealing with the repercussions of her running away, which is that, like, Joyce doesn't really want her to be unsupervised that much. So I appreciate, again, that things are kind of, it's a slow reconciliation for all of them. It was a big deal that she left. And so there's still lots of little ways that it comes up. Yeah. And also like, that's there to set up that they're, as I said before, like, they're chastising her for not being mature, but then, of course, they're all going to lose their maturity before the end. So 
Yeah. Although Buffy does have a good point to her mother of like, mm-hmm. if I was really going to skip town again, I could do what I did the first time and take the bus. True. So yeah. like, yeah. it's not a reason not to drive, but Joyce is very much like wants her as homebound as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, and I mean, I also feel like it's, she doesn't say that it's a punishment, but like it totally is. And that's yeah. fair. That's more than fair. Hmm. Yeah. Why would you give your teenage daughter who ran away last summer a driver's license? Yeah. Um, also, Buffy, did you notice, because another runner of this episode is that Buffy's studying for the SATs. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, mm-hmm. Buffy finally used a pencil to slay a vampire. Yeah, yeah, I did. I wrote uh, that one down, too. I, like, fist pumped when I saw <laughs> that. It's like, she did it! Yeah. Um, I also love Oz's, um, offer to help her, because he, like, aced the SATs. Yeah. And he's like, there's this whole trick to antonyms, but, uh... This isn't the place. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, he's going to give his really secrets funny. away to some, like, eavesdropping high schooler or something. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, this episode is just, like, I think it's just pure fun. Yeah. fun. Like, it's like everyone looks like they're having a blast on mm-hmm. screen. Um, I mean, oh my God. Like, I know you love Snyder, like, normally. Mm-hmm. But, like, Snyder as Teenager Snyder teenage is, Snyder is really freaking great. amazing. It's true. I think he's my favorite. <laughs> my favorite is Joyce, but, you know, yeah. it always is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's all, that's, that's all my thoughts. Yeah, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm tapped, tapped out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next week we have Revelations mm-hmm. and Lover's Walk, which mm-hmm. I also recall those both being very interesting and, and, like, important episodes. Well, Revelations is the more important one, but there'll be some new characters, again, some new characters, new faces, and maybe Mm -hmm. some old faces. Perhaps. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of old faces, um, I've had a request for a uh, guest spot, but we'll see if that works out, Mm -hmm. so let's leave it at that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Very sneaky. um, I suppose I should shame her into actually doing it. Claire, mm-hmm. you should be on our <laughs> podcast next week. <laughs> uh. um, yeah, so, no, I'm excited for those. Um, I, I mean, this is what we're talking about when we were like, what are you excited for about this season? Is like, honestly, I have yet to read any, like, upcoming episode titles mm-hmm. and be like, ugh, those. But like, yeah, exactly. no, it's just like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that one, that one is so great. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I love this season so much. Me too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, do you have any pop culture this week that you want to talk about? I do. I, I don't think I talked about this last week cause I remember bowing out, but, um, <laughs> I read a book two, I read it two weeks ago, so I'm surprised that I didn't think about it, but, um, I read this book called Dark Matter. It's written by a guy named Blake Crouch. And, uh, I, I just picked it up because I mean, it had been floating around my office and it was supposed to be like a thriller. And I haven't read something like that in a while, probably not since like Girl on the Train. And I was like, oh, maybe this, I'm just like kind of in the mood for something that'll be like riveting and like I can get through it quickly. Um, And I was honestly super skeptical. Like I, I almost never read the back cover when I start a book if I don't know anything about it because like I just, it gives things away and I just don't enjoy it. Um, But for whatever reason, I read the back cover description and then it totally ruined the first like 50 pages of the book because it told you everything that was going on. And it's like, it is a thriller and it's suspenseful. So like when you know how it's like the first 50 pages are like set up, 
but because I knew how it was going to be resolved because I had read the back cover, it was like really, you know, I was like, okay, let's just get there because like suspense isn't interesting if you know how it ends. (laughs) Um, but after that, and I was also worried about the way they were setting up some of the themes, but I actually thought it ended up being really, really interesting. And how can I'm struggling to describe it without doing what I just said I complained about, but like, it's basically like, uh, it's a book that deals with like the multiverse and like different versions of yourself and like maybe they interact with each other and stuff. So the main character is this guy and he has like a wife and a son and he's happy with his life and he wanted to be a physicist, but like, you know, they had a baby and him and his wife decided to focus on raising a family instead of like pursuing their careers. And so I thought it was going to kind of be more like, you know, like some, something about him regretting his life choices and like trying to make it different. And it's sort of that, but it's a lot more complicated. And I just, I really, really, I really almost stopped reading it 50 pages in because I was like, I don't, I didn't like so much of what was going on. And then like immediately it like took a turn and it is still like a question on like the choices that we make and like how all that stuff affects all so many different parts of our lives. And like, but it ended up being really sweet and I really liked it. And it made me think a lot about like every time I make a choice, you know, like it's basically like the, as I understand it, which I don't multiverse theory is like, you know, every time you make a decision, both of those decisions exist and continue to exist. So like, what if you could jump between all these different versions of your life where you've, you went to college or you went to a different college and then you ate steak for dinner. Or you didn't eat steak for dinner. And like all of those making their own version of the universe. Phew. Okay. Huh. <laughs> anyway, I don't think I did that justice, but it was, Oh, it was once you got past the beginning, it was very exciting. It was very interesting. And I really, and it was romantic, which was Aww. weird. Yeah. Hmm. Would you, well, I always hesitate asking you if I should re- read books because sometimes <laughs> you tell me yes. And then sometimes you tell me no for like reasons, like if you're like concerned, but then it's like, I have no concerns about this one. Okay. I mean, you may or may not like it, but I think <laughs> you should try it. Yeah. I okay. thought it was a good, I thought once I thought it was, it was successful at examining like like how we make choices and what those things mean for us. Cool. That sounds interesting. It sounds like sliding doors, but like, uh, uh yes, it's not. Yeah. A little bit different. Yeah, yeah. It's similar, but without Gwyneth Paltrow, no Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Although I do like sliding doors. I've actually never seen like, it, but I was talking to maybe someone. One of the few Gwyneth Paltrow vehicles that I mm. don't mind. I didn't know what actually, that don't was. mind is like, yeah, like an underwhelming. I actually really like that movie. <laughs> so, as it was a coincidence that somebody, because I was reading Dark Matter, I was talking to one of my coworkers about it, and then he was talking to me about Sliding Doors this week, and it was, and I was like, oh, it's sort of like that book, and he was like, yeah, that's why I was thinking about it. So I wouldn't have known what that was except for having had that conversation. Do you have anything? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So okay. um, next week we've got more episodes <laughs> there's more um, episodes i'm just kidding oh my gosh there's like so many more episodes so great we've got like four more seasons Yay! um yeah so i think this week um <clears throat> shoot i knew the answer to this oh my god why uh oh i'm team cordelia oh that's a good one team cordelia and spatula i'm gonna be team snyder <laughs> team baby snyder <laughs> that's the only time it's ever acceptable (laughs) you can never be team snyder ever i won't i won't okay Okay. i'll talk to you next week all right bye bye
Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.